uh, Jesus talking about, um, you know, his disciples that he's preaching to being his friends and what it takes to be his friends. And I wanted to really talk, talk about that. Malcolm sent his love, as some of you know, may have been mentioned already. He's, he's we're at a teaching conference in Los Angeles. A few weeks ago, he asked me to um, do the message, and I, I prayed, and, I, and, and so I'm glad to be able to hear and share and share a few thoughts with you this morning. So, um, what inspired me to speak on, on the topic of friendship, okay? I, you know, I, I think I, I prayed about what to pre- pre- uh, speak about. Malcolm gave me, quote-unquote, a free reign to decide what to speak about. And two things happened that, that I think was inspiration from God, actually. One is that I've been listening to, we've been having these great messages by Malcolm on, on, on the church, about a great church. And, one, and all, all his messages have been really inspiring for me. But in particular, the one he did, I think it was on the 23rd, about relationships. He has the acronym called GREAT, G-R-E-A-T. And, you know, the one about the R's was, it stands for Relationship-Based Church. And I was really inspired by that. So yeah, and I started thinking deeply about my relationships with people in my congregation and just relationships in general. I've also been going through a period in my life where I've been reflecting. You know, I've been we've been married thirty years. Pat and I got got baptized as Christians in this church, so we've been in the church um, well over thirty years. I think I'll talk a bit more about that in in my message, but. I already say I became a Christian, got to really know what God wants for my life in, in, 19, in 1987-88. You know, so I've been, and I've been coming to the, to the same church, same congregation, for almost 34 years now, I've been 34 years in April. And, I, I, and as time has gone on, you know, you go to ebbs and flows, you know, uh, what has become more and more important to me as time has gone on, and over the last year or so, is relationships. Is, is my relationship with people because I, 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 we used to be some of you know we used to be the sister congregation um, in in the northwest and John and Corinne O'Donnell are here they they visiting us today um, hello welcome and um, you know and we moved to to Watford about four years ago and you know, we come to the congregation here for about a year now right and what and more and more importantly is become I've become to realize relationships are really the key that will hold you strong as you go forward. But the message that was um, uh, read today, the other thing that happened is while I was I woke up I, thinking, okay, what, what should I pray about? What, what should I talk about? And I, got, I, I, I came across this message, and I, I tried to read it out without being specific about who sent it to whom and all of that kind of stuff. And it really in, inspired me as well. Um, I, I'll just read it. I'll just read it. It says, um, it's a message from a friend to another friend. It says, I just started reading a book about a church minister who suddenly found his life had gone awry, partly due to some bad decisions he had made. I haven't reached the part where he said what, a, what actually he did, but he wrote something that struck me. And the part I'm about to read is the main, is the main part that I really want to talk about. He, he wrote something that struck me. He spoke of his friend who was there for him even when he had nothing to give back in return. I will never forget when you came to stay with me. I probably didn't seem to be in a helpless situation, but I was weak and broken. Seeing you these past few years has been uplifting to me. Sometimes I wish I could do more in return, but I know that's not why you do what you do, and that's not your expectation. Thanks for being such a part of my spiritual and emotional safety net. I pray that as you grow older, and that we all grow old together and are, there, and are there for one another through the good times and the challenges. 
and that we help one another be better parents, spouses, friends, and followers of Jesus Christ, our Lord. You know, I was praying in the morning, saying, what am I going to preach? And I came across this message, I thought, yeah, definitely, let's talk about friendships. So, now where do you start? These days, I find that, um, I find this mic actually quite distracting. <laughs> um, you know, you find that um, you know, when you want to investigate a topic, well, where do you go? Well, you want to preach in the church, you go to the Bible. But I've also found it very helpful to go on the internet, to go on the web. You know, and I say, what, what, what does the general world describe as friendship today? You know, we've read a great passage about what the Bible says about it. So I thought, okay, I'll start there. And I, and I went to our favorite, you know, Searching for a word on the internet these days is synonymous with the word of Googling a word. It shows you how, how you know, predominant it has become. So Google says, who is a friend? Well, a person whom you have a bond of mutual affection. Typically, one exclusive of sexual or family relatives. In other words, a platonic relationship. So when, when, when you know, um, yeah, if, if you see a guy walking down the road with a girl and tendency say, oh, is that your girlfriend? He says, no, 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 she's just my friend. And what it really means is that you have a good relationship with them, but it's nothing, it's, it's, it's nothing, it's nothing romantic. Um, the Merriam-Webster dictionary says, a person, a friend is a person who has a strong liking for and trust in another person. You have a strong liking and trust in that person. Or a person who is not an enemy, a friend or foe. And there are other you know, definitions of, of a good friend and a trusted friend and all of this kind of thing. Good friends is a, is a website, must give credit to one Dapolis, whatever that is. It says, good friends are loyal and accept you for who you are during the good and bad times. A bit like that message I read. Good friends are also honest. Honest enough to tell you when you are not being a good friend yourself. Along with good friends who are present, loyal and honest, most people want friends who are trustworthy. And in that same way, it talks about true friends as opposed to good friends. A true friend, is a, a true friend is not only honest about themselves, but they're also honest about you. You know, they're able to have difficult conversations in telling you things that sometimes you may not be eager to hear. I love my wife dearly. She's my best friend. <laughs> the key, though, is that they do it in love and grace. It's a way of telling people the truth about themselves, which is not a friendly way. Yeah, they do it to love and grace. But the Bible says, in, 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 the, in the key scripture we read, um, I, 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 it talks about, and I won't read the whole passage again. It says, the Father has loved me. There are a few, few keys in verse 10. A few, a few messages that come out here. It says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. There's a... There's a lot of ifs in here. In verse 12, it says, My command is this, love each other as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. And it also then has an analogy between servants and friends. Jesus says in, in this passage, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his father's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from my father, I have made known, I have made known to you. And he goes on to, to but you know, all, all of this is surrounded by the word love. And in verse 17, he says, this is my command, love each other. So biblical love or friendship in the Bible is based on love. It's also based on um, taking initiative. 
you know, it says if you do these things. You know, and I want to talk, there are two main topics, I want to, two, two main headings under this topic of friendship I want to talk about. One is friendship with God, and the other is friendship with each other. So I'll talk, first of all, about friendship with God. In the passage that we just looked at, um, Jesus is trying to help us to be friends with God. And he wants us to, he's, trying to, and he's teaching um, his disciples that, hey, um, I want you to know God, not as, as, a, uh, uh, not as his servant, you know, because it's very easy to do all the things he wants you to do, but I want you to know his will. And as I thought about this, I thought, well, how do we become friends with God? How, did, how, did, how, how do I become a friend? How did I get to know God? And I thought the only, and how, how, do, how do I help people to, to help myself to do this? I thought the only way I can do this is to share about how I got to know God, how I, how I, how I believe I, um, uh, God is my friend. Something else to mention, which, 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 which I skipped very beginning. In, in, in the general context of friendship that you see in the world today, I remember uh, when we first had, when the internet became big and we had Facebook and it was very easy to wake up in the morning and say, whoa, I have 60 new friends this morning, you know. <laughs> or my, my friends have doubled overnight. That is not the kind of friendship we're talking about, okay. We are talking about, and, and, and usually what that really meant was that somebody had signed up on your web page, you know, connected to you, et cetera, et cetera. And it was what you were getting. Actually, what I want to talk about is what we need to do to be friends with God and to be friends with each other. Okay, so uh, if you look at the passage that we looked at, uh, um, one, one of the uh, key, key messages is that um, Jesus said, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than to lay down his life for his friends and says, you are my friends, this is in verse 13, if you do what I command. So it, 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 Jesus is implying here that actually we have to know what God commands, what God wants of us to, be, to obey his commands. And we are, we are his friends if we, we obey his commands. I grew up going to church, right? You know, my parents took me to church from when I was a, a tender age. I don't know when, when that was, you know, we were always going to church. Even here, actually, when I look at the, my, my infant baptism pictures, I was born in Birmingham. And... Uh, even the, there are some friends my friends had for donkey years. I mean, you know, Uncle Alan, as we used to call him, he passed away some years back. But I grew up going to church. I grew up going to Sunday school, like the children go to Sunday school here, you know. At school. I, I, there were seeds sown in my heart about, I knew about Jesus. And I've always had a, you know, everybody, it's not the same for everybody, you know, but I've always had a consciousness of God, okay? I um, believed in God. And uh, somebody asked me if I believed in God, I'll have said yes. Um, but the truth is, I didn't know any of God's commands, really. I was aware of some of them. I knew, I knew morally lying wasn't right. I probably was kind of aware that sleeping around probably wasn't good, but everybody did it, and it's the in thing, so why not? You know? so, yeah, and so, that, so that was my life. But I really did. I, I sang in, in choirs. I, I would, um, if you give me the form to fill, what religion are you? I would write down very clearly, Christian. You know, um, you know, I don't know if that's the same for you. And, and, and I lived all my teenage lives, et cetera, et cetera, this way. Um, I, was, I, I, was, I was walking down the streets in Oxford Street in London when I bumped into a friend who invited me along to this church, you know, to a Bible discussion. And I, to cut a long story short, I had the opportunity to sit down 
and they invited me to listen to the Bible. I read the Bible. I used to read the Bible fairly well every now and again. I wasn't, I wasn't particularly religious. But I, I went to church on a regular basis. But the truth is, I never really obeyed God's commands. You know, um, why? Well, to be honest, I really didn't even really know God's commands. That is the truth. And I sat down with um, uh, a guy called um, Malcolm Cox. You may have heard of him, <laughs> you know, some 34 years ago. And, and uh, I used to live in Wilsden Green at the time, in a, a bedsit. And he, 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 you know, I was, actually, he, he was, I was in a, went to a Bible discussion in Kilburn, and he said, do you want to start the Bible? I know more about God. I said, why not? I mean, it's, there's nothing wrong with that. But I started looking at the Bible, and I started to understand that actually God has a different plan for my life, and what he expects of somebody who claims to know God is very different from the life in which I was living. You know, I started to understand that there is something called sin, and that true sin is, and true repentance is turning your life away from sin, you know, and that to obey, and, and um, uh, I, I, I had to change my life. That God, you know, he showed me the passages in Galatians, you know, um, the acts of the sinful nature, obvious, selfishness, greed, you know, sexual immorality, you know, impurity, all these kind of things are not things that should actively be a part of my life, that I just live for. And I live for those things. I would go to church on a Sunday, I remember that, you know, growing up, and leave church and can't wait to get back to be with my girlfriend and we go to bed together. You know, and nobody, nobody in my church, some of my friends do that, ever spoke to me about those kind of things. As a matter of fact, there was a guy who once mentioned to me, he said, no, I don't think that's right. And I had a real go at him. I told him, well, how dare he speak to me about that kind of stuff? Um, but in studying the Bible, as I started to understand God's will for my life, that God wanted me to repent, change, turn around from a, from a life where I actively embraced a sinful life, a culture, to turn from where it becomes a challenge. You know, I, I'm not, I've become a Christian and I don't sin anymore, but it's a different attitude I have to it. I don't accept it as a way of life anymore. You know, I struggle with it. I confess I, it's a battle. In the past, it wasn't a battle. <laughs> it was something I embraced as, 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 a, as, a, as a lifestyle. And, um, and, and, you know, so I... <laughs> And then, and then I read about, okay, but God is a very forgiving God. He's already, son has died for my sins. I knew about Jesus. And how do I get into contact with the spirit and the forgiveness of God? By getting baptized, by repenting of my sins, getting baptized, and becoming a, a, a true Christian. And you will have thought that was a very simple thing to do. But one thing that was very clear in reading at the Bible, it was obvious, even from the Bible, there was no, I wasn't forced to do this, but it became clear that this wasn't, um, this wasn't like a decision you made, oh yeah, I'll do that this week and then, or, or this month or this year. I realized that God was asking me to do this for the rest of my life. I had to, so, so, and the implications are major. What does that mean? What about my friends? The guys who I, we talk about women and girls all together, the girls, the women, girls I'm, I'm going out, lady I'm going out with, you know, what about all the lies I've, or the, the little embellishments in my CV I've put in to say <laughs> I, had, I had three more years experience or one more than, than I really had? I mean, there was the implications were, what about my brother, my family? What will my parents think? I think that's why in this passage it says, if you obey my commands. 
Not you must obey my commands, it's if you obey my commands. And I had to decide whether or not, <laughs> it took me a few days actually, um, whether or not I really, really wanted to do this or not. Whether I really wanted to be God's friend. Whether I really wanted to obey his commands and change my life and repent and get baptized. Even the whole idea of baptism. Even when I got to the point where I said, okay, this is going to be tough. But, but I knew in my heart that the lifestyle the Bible was calling me to was the right life. All the time I was on the Bible with Malcolm, it's almost like all of a sudden life had a meaning. It's almost, literally, it's almost like all my life I've been walking down this dark road. And then somebody suddenly lifted the wall, and I could see a bright light, and it was just fantastic. But it was going to be challenging. Did I really want to do this? And I don't know if you've, you, you know, if you know, sometimes it's easy to assume everybody else has been through this kind of uh, experience before. If you haven't, let me really encourage you to get with somebody and study the Bible. Ask them, how did they become Christians? What did they, what did they change? What does the Bible really teach about uh, living a godly life? And, and make that decision yourself. I thank God 34 years ago, right, I, 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 I repented. I even, had, I even had a job opportunity to, fantastic job opportunity actually, that, that I decided not to take up because I was so afraid that if I moved, I would stop having the opportunity. It was down in Brighton, I was studying the Bible in London. I would not have the opportunity to study the Bible. But God has blessed my life in an incredible way. Not so much with riches and all that kind of stuff, but I've got peace, I've got a wonderful wife, wife for 34 years in today's society, that is incredible. I don't get here for almost 30 years. That's incredible, you know. Um, I'm not afraid that somebody's, you know, I, I, I say to certain people, if I, well, I say to lots of people, if I hadn't become a Christian, I haven't a clue what my life would be like right now. I feel I would have, I would have kids all over the place. That's just, that's the truth, you know. You laugh, but it's true. It's not funny, okay. There will be kids walking around without a dad. Yeah, about my son or my daughter could be one of those people, you know, and they don't, they don't know their dad. I was talking to a friend the other day, I won't go there, who had a picture of his dad, and I was talking to him, but he says, no, I don't really know him. He's probably, he was probably, so didn't you know, he says, no, how'd you get his picture? And my mom gave me the picture. Oh, what, yeah, yeah, he's, he says, have you met him? He says, no, he was out womanizing. That would have been me, guys. You know, so, sometimes we become Christians and we think we're, we're cool, we're not. It's for the grace of God, right, for the grace of God. So, 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 so my, my, you know, um, and that made, I think that helped me to become God's friend. That's the steps we have to take. If you're not a Christian, if you don't really know God, make the effort to get to know what God's plan is for your life and then make a decision to, 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 to do it. I think the next challenge we face in terms of trying to be a friend with God is sometimes we go through, we, we, you know, after we go through all of that, um, if you've been through that experience already in your life, uh, then that's great. Now, we have to remain God's friend. <laughs> you have to remain God's friend. And I will go back to the passage to talk to, to, to the passage we just looked at. Where they don't lose sight of, of my notes, of what I'm trying to say. Um, how do I continue to be God's friend? There are some examples of people who are called God's friend in the Bible, aren't there? Does anybody think of anybody who was called God's friend in the Bible? John? David, Abraham. See, in, 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 what, 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 you know, I did a search in the yeah, as you do, you know. And I didn't just search the internet when I was looking for friendship. I also, <laughs> I also did a search in the Bible. Um, there were three people, who, maybe two, but maybe three, who were actually 
who God referred to as his friend. You know, there was Moses, you know, that God spoke to as a friend. I mean, <laughs> the, the, I, read, I read that, and it said, I, I, let me see if I can find the passage. It's Genesis 33, verse 11. It, it talked about God, Moses used to go out to the tent, and he would sit down and chat with God as a friend. If you have a friend, can you imagine that? Sitting down with God, chatting with him as a friend. There are some, are you, I don't know if you know, there are some people who we have, some friends we have, that we may not see them for five years, but, or six years, seven, but you sit down and it's almost like you've been together all the time. You know, you just have a chat, and that, you know, you don't have to build up. That's what, I feel that's what it was like with Moses and God. <laughs> you know, he had that kind of, of friendship, you know. Um, and there was Abraham. You know, God says in, in, um, about Abraham in 2 Chronicles, there are two passages in the Bible where Abraham is referred to as God's friend. It's in, in, in Isaiah 41 in verse 8. Um, this is God actually, the prophet speaking of God's words. He says, but you, Israel, my, it's talking about the, the Israelites, but you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend. As God's words in the Bible refers to Abraham, his friend. In 2 Chronicles, in chapter in, in, in 20, verse 7, it says, um, uh, Jehoshaphat is a prophet. They're, they're, they're about to be attacked. And he's appealing to God. And he's reminding God of who God is and who they are. He says, Lord, the God of, of our, 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 our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand. And no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people, Israel, and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? You know, and those those are yeah, those are the two two. And there's, there's Lazarus as well, seen as Jesus' close friend. But in the Old Testament, those are those are the two people. There's another passage actually about Abraham in James two, which we're very familiar with. Sometimes this is the whole passage about you know, deeds, you know, uh, faith and deeds, you know, you know, is it, you have, show me if you have faith, I have deeds. But in verse 23, it says, and the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. You know, so what does it take for us to remain God's friend? You know, God, if you're ready, you know, you're Christian, you, you love God. I think the danger for my life in the last 30 years is to um, start doing what um, Jesus Christ has said um, doesn't make me. It's not the kind of friendship he's looking for. So if you look at verse 15 of the passage that we have up on the screen, verse 14 to 15, it says, you're my friends if you do what I command. So we have to continue to do what God, God commands us. And one of the key things he asks us to do is love each other, but we'll talk about that. He says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I made known to you. And he goes on to say, you did not choose me, but I know. So, so I think sometimes as a Christian, it's easy to become a servant. And what does that mean? It means to do the thing God wants me to do. And forget that actually what God really wants from me is to have a good relationship with him. It's for me to be able to sit down with him in the tent and have a good chat. He's not just there for me to come and ask him for all the things I need every day. He's not concerned about whether I had my quiet time that morning or not. He's more concerned about my relationship with him. He wants to be my friend. He wants me to get to know him. Getting to understand his commands for my life and responding to that is only the beginning of my friendship with God. 
throughout the rest of my life, I've got to be making every effort to try to understand God, to share my life with him. I can't imagine Moses sitting there with God. So how are you, how are you today? Oh, man, it's been a rough day. You won't believe what those Israelites did this week. Yeah, I found it really difficult, Lord. Really? So, yeah, and seriously, I believe that's the kind of, he spoke to him as a friend. That's what the Bible says. That is the kind of relationship we, God wants us to have with him. As we, as, we, as we develop our relationship, we've got to be able to, maybe we do, we've got to be able to talk to God about how we're feeling, what's going on, being vulnerable, being real, you know, um, not because, because, because it's there. And you know, sometimes I will get more into, um, oh, I haven't had my quiet time this morning. What does that really mean? <laughs> you know, it means I haven't read my Bible or prayed this morning. Well, that's not what God is seeking. It's, it's why am I doing those things? That's what God is seeking. What, what really drives me? What really motivates me? Do I, you know, I, didn't, I don't think Moses, well, maybe he did. Maybe he ran out and said, I better get there or God would be upset with me if I don't come and have a chat with him this morning. You know, I don't think it is. I think he looked forward to going to have a chat. You know what I mean? And if something happened and was trying to sort something out with, with, with the Israelites and he couldn't make it in time, he didn't think God is going to be really upset with me if I don't turn up. You, you, you know, you know, and I can get into that mindset, the legalistic mindset. You know, um, more a servant kind of mindset. Not really um, uh, knowing, knowing, knowing the Father. And, um, you know, I, I read somewhere, he says, uh, as Christians, the whole servant and servitude thing, we, sometimes we get it right down to, to an art. You know, we, hey, we are a great congregation, right? You know, we get, you, know, you sweep the floor afterwards, you clean up, you tidy the chairs, you do the teas and coffees. They're great, by the way. <laughs> you know, we're having, we're having a good... But, you know, those things are great, but what is really, but we, what we've got to be careful is that all of those things that we do, even coming to church on a Sunday, you can come to church every Sunday, as I used to before I became a Christian, and still not uh, have a great friendship with God. You know, and, and my encouragement for us is to really um, uh, walk on our friendship with God, is to really make it our aim to make God our friend. And the only way you do that is to try to get to know him better, be real with him, be honest with him, spend time with him, find out why he wants you to do the things you do, and obey his commands. And then you will find out that God, God is really uh, your friend. It's so easy to get the, the person I want to read. Uh, it's so easy to slip into doing church. And it's easy to get caught up in, in doing church. It's so easy. Pastor uh, It's so easy to get caught up in the walks of doing church, in quotes, I miss the whole point of Jesus coming to save us. Religions, religion can sometimes rob us of our friendship with God. You know, and, you know, and this person says, well, sometimes we need to de-church, <laughs> you know, stop doing church and, 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 you know, look to actually, I'm not suggesting, I don't want anybody to quote, I can say we should stop coming to church. <laughs> I can didn't say stop coming to church. Akin said, make sure that church is not a tradition and a formality for you. Because it can easily become that. Even after all your repenting of your sin, you can easily become that. It's really a, a, a place where you come to meet with God's fellow people, to worship with them, to be happy, to, to pray to God. Um, um, and this person, this person says they're going through a process of de-churching. The process is that they're going through a process that will bring them closer to God and truly, and, and truly learn what it is to be a friend. Um, so stop being a servant, let's be a friend. The, the, um, 
The Bible says we are friends if we do what God commands. Big, the biggest command we have in the Bible, 1 Corinthians you know, 13, is to love. Is to love, is to love, is to love each other. But one of the biggest commands in the end of that passage in verse 17 is this is my command, love each other. Right? And that brings me to my second, second point, which is friendship with each other. Friendship with each other is loving each other. And I figure that there's, there's a lot I, I, could, I could say about this. But I, I thought, actually, uh, when you look at, at this passage, there's a bit of, um, we can go back to exactly how we know God. First of all, to know God, to, to um, have a, a friendship with God, we have to know God and know his commands. I think it's the same thing. If we, if we take the same analogy, to, know, to, to have a friendship with each other, we've got to know each other. Right? That's why God said we should love. You can't love people you don't know. Right? Malcolm made a point in his relationship-based church sermon. He said something about love and like are two different things. You know? There are many things my wife likes and I don't like. And there are many things she likes. Well, there's many things I like that she definitely doesn't like. Doesn't like Nigerian food, you know. <laughs> you know she, uh, there are particular programs I like to watch on television that my wife doesn't you know, like. You know, so it's actually possible to like the same things as other people, but not, you know, but that's not what the Bible teaches. What, remember Malcolm in that case, he said, what we're, it's a command to love one another, whether you like the same thing or not. So love and like are two different things, you know. You might not like the way they snore at night, darling. Right? You don't like the way. My, you know, Pat, Pat may not like the way I snore, but thank God she loves me, <laughs> you know. Thank God she loves me. You know, you might not like the jokes somebody cracks. You might not like their sense of humor, but we still need to love them. We're all very different. And this I really, <laughs> this I really took from Malcolm's message, you know, or when he's a relationship-based church. You know, but you, know, but you know, sometimes we mix the two up. We don't like the way the person talks. We don't like the way they, the jokes they crack. We don't like, you know, Something that they like, maybe they love going to watch boxing that's violent, you know. So I'm not, I can't, I, and we stop loving them. We stop obeying the fundamental command, which is to love one another. And my encouragement for, to us, and this is why, being a Christian, as Malcolm said, I'll share a few things from Malcolm's message. I said this uh, Christianity is very simple, right? Practicing it can be hard. Because, and that is why Christ died for, for us. Practicing it can be hard. Because, um, uh, you know, we, we, God commands us to do the, you know, look at the Beatitudes. He commands us to do the difficult things, you know, it don't, it, and that's different. So, as my, my wife and I were, I was talking to Pat about being friends. And one of the things we've been called to do as part of a great church, a relationship-based church, is to build deep relationships with one another in, in, in the congregation. And so, and I remember thinking, yes. And I remember um, in, in the, in the uh, what for ICC part of the church, we do this midweek meeting every Wednesday in January, every Wednesday, um, the men meet or the women meet. And, and Malcolm said that we're not going to do it in January. Instead, what we are going to do is so we don't become churchified, and that becomes our relationship meeting for the week, we should take the initiative out of our own hearts to build relationships with each other. I remember him saying that. I remember sitting with my wife after this, and yes. That's great. We should get with this person and that person and this person and do it. And I want to talk about two things. And the, come the end of the month, I don't think we got with a single person. I'm, I'm, you know, sad to say, we didn't. And what it made me realize is that 
it takes effort to build relationships. It has to be intentional. It's something you must intend to do. It doesn't just happen. You have to go out of your way. What is our most valuable commodity? It's our time. It's our time. And, you know, you know we did set one or two meetings up, but they just didn't happen. And what did we do? Well, just let it go. It's, it's, it actually, it's a bit scary when you think about it. Because what does it mean? What will happen if we didn't have our Wednesday meeting for six months? You know, would you, would you, would you have initiated to spend time with anybody during that, those six months? You know, it makes you think. Sometimes it's good to step out of your traditions. Because you have to ask yourself, I've been asking myself this question a lot this year. Why do I do the things I do? Why do I even come to church every Sunday? Or why don't I want to come to church every Sunday? I'm talking about being devoted. God commands us to love each other, to be devoted to one another in love. It's the devotion that, if you're devoted to each other, we want to meet with each other. You know, in our congregation here, I'll talk about a few things. They're, 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 um, it's, an it's an incredible congregation, right? It's mixed. It's, but we, we have been through, over the past, at least in the year, we, Pat and I have been here, we have seen different, we're two congregations actually, right? You know, there's the Watford Free Church, is that the right? Yeah? And there's the ICCM. Call ourselves Christians, how well do we know each other? How I can impact, how many people from the Watford Free Church have you had in your home? Same question applies to everybody else here, and vice versa. Why is it because, you know, Bible teaches us to, to, to have you invited anybody over? And why not? Busy, time, whatever it is. Guys, I'm convicted by this. You know, because I think, wow. Do I really, really understand what it means to build close relationships with people in my heart? You know, I think of Moses' friend, Moses' friendship with, um, with God. I want to have friends like that with people here. I want, don't misunderstand me. I'm not suggesting Everybody in the congregation could be your close friend. You know, I said, you know, we have different levels of friendship. You know, I know certain people in this congregation at a level at which I probably wouldn't get to know other people. But, that, but the point is, what effort am I making to improve those friendships with the people I don't know? You know, it's easy to, to, to do church. It's easy to meet here every, sun, every Sunday, but not build close relationships. And I think if we, if we become more and more that way, uh, my, my, this is Aki's view. We actually cease to be less of the kind of church God wants us to be. Yeah, he wants us to be a family. You know, how many people remember any of the points from the relationship-based church? I took a few notes on it and printed them out, and they were in big capital letters. But a few things I just want to remind us of. One, that's one of the things Malcolm talked about. He talked about having those meetings. You know, um, he also talked about. Um, I put a few, a few bolts. Uh, involved a few things that I thought I'll, I'll remind us of. Not, and by the way, I'm not speaking from a point of, uh, from a position of I've done all these things. I'm convicting myself, preparing for this measure and share. But I thought I'll share about it uh, with, with, with us. It says, uh, it says a, a relationship-based church is one we are devoted to one another. All right. Um, the reason I talked about um, incredible, we have an incredible opportunity as a church, actually. In the Wetford Church, we must have had. As Pat and I moved in a year ago, just over because with our family, um, we have. Oh gosh, I can't remember his first name. The guy doing the. Um, sorry. Yeah, Desmond and his wife moved in. 
We have, I think, it's Dele who lives in um, Hatfield, yeah, with his family, his wife, and three children. They moved in into Watford not, not too long ago. We have Desmond. There's the other couple from Singapore. No, sorry, from Hong Kong. Sorry? Raymond and Sherry. I'm terrible with names, guys. I say I'm terrible with names. They moved in, right, in, into Watford. I don't know how big Watford Church was two years ago, how big it is. And on top of that, here we are, with, together as two congregations the Watford Free Church, we have incredible opportunities to show love for each other. We have incredible opportunities to get to know each other. We have incredible opportunities to share love and devotion with one another. The question is, are we doing it? You know, the Bible, there has to be intention to do it, and, and there has to be a sense of, it takes sacrifice. That's the truth. We have to be, we have to be, uh, we have to do that. So uh, some of the things, but I, am I learning to, to better love other people? Love is not just a feeling, it's an action. A leadership-based church is where um, uh, we are devoted to one another. So, so the question for all of us is this. Are we friends with God? If you, if you really don't know God, or don't know his commands, and let me encourage you to find out more about God's commands. And, 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 to, and to, once you know his commands, then you can put those into practice. Then you can obey them. Then you can become his friend. And if you feel, well, yes, I know God. I'm his friend. Are you building a better and closer relationship with God as the years go by? Are you doing that? Or have, have you, if, if you're not careful, gradually being sucked into just a servant kind of relationship as opposed to one who is a real friend, as it, as it says in that Bible, in, in that passage? And then secondly, how much effort are you making to be friends with the people in your church, in our church? How much effort are you making to be, fr to be friends? Let's really, let's really make an effort. So God, God, God um, the great thing about Jesus is that he, uh, and our, our God our Father, he sets the example, right? He doesn't, you know, he, he sets the example um, about what it means to be, to be a friend. And I just want to read a passage as we, as we prepare our hearts and minds now for the communion. Um, there, uh, where am I? Lost my what? <laughs> okay. In Romans eight, in verse thirty-five to to thirty-nine. You know, I talked a lot about us being friends with each other and being friends to God, but let's talk about how God is a friend to us. Okay, and how he's demonstrated his friendship for us. In Romans 8, verse 35 to 39, he says, um, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. It's incredible. You know, you see, at just the right time, it says in Romans 5, while we were still powerless, this is from verse 6, Christ died for the ungodly. All those years when I used to go to church and I didn't, Christ died for me in the hope that I would turn to him one day. 
Okay? He, he wasn't doing it, in, you know, because I taunted him, but in the hope that I would. He died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, but though for a person, though for a person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? You see, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were his enemies, let his son suffer on the cross, go through an incredible, excruciating pain, and took on the punishment for our sins just so we could have a friendship with him. Let me encourage all of us to not make, uh, well, <laughs> to really make the most of the sacrifice Jesus made for us. Let's pray. Father, you are an incredible God. The more we um, try to understand the depth of your love for us, how wide, how deep, how high it is, the more we try to understand, the, the more humbled we are by how much we need to do to become more and more uh, 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 like you. Father, I pray, I thank you for your command, which is all based on love. May your command for us to love each other, for us to be close to each other. Father, I pray that we will continue to um, build on our friendships and our relationships, that we'll continue to uh, walk, not just in our relationship with, with, um, with, with, with you, Lord, uh, out of, because you, you, know, you, don't, you don't command us, you don't want servants, you want us to be your children, but we will really also walk on our relationships with each other, as it says in, in, in your word, Lord, when, when, you know, when people saw how close and loving the, 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 uh, the, the Christians were, they wanted to know more about you. Father, I pray that we characterize ourselves, that we characterize our church, and, and, and we will see a, a deep love and affection for us. We take the bread and the wine now to remind us of this sacrifice. Help our hearts be drawn closer to you. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.